And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I just uh, ended the theme song way too early. Uh, the only podcast for the website. Well, <laughs> oh, podcast for the website, cpluscounty.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Usually I say the premiere podcast. Isn't that correct? Here we are, episode uh, 243. Uh, hey, listen, before we get started, we've got uh, an- another interview coming up uh, with Supa Argwal. Uh, this comedian can be found... Uh, doing her thing at a new uh, stand-up special album, excuse me, called uh, Dog uh, Dog Show. She's got her. If, you, if you're looking at the video, you're not looking at the video. <laughs> Hold on, <laughs> no one can see what I'm seeing. <laughs> not even the video viewers. There's a the dog show. She's uh, squatting with the dog. Dog's next to her. Uh, big sign, Dog Show. Her name's on top two hog wall, and uh, dogs panting and stuff. On top on the album cover. That's the word I was looking for. Album cover two forty three, <laughs> Constitutional's podcast. Uh, Subha is a very funny uh, comedian. Very young. Very young. That's a weird way to describe it. <laughs> like a very young comedian. Very funny uh, young comedian. She's got uh, uh, t- talking about you know the typical things that uh, young uh, women comedians talk about, but she puts her own spin on it. She's uh, uh, I enjoy her. She's very energetic. Very active. Um, we had a very lovely chat, and the album Dog Show will be out October 7th. You can buy it uh, pretty much anywhere. You you know Subha from uh, Arsenio Live on Netflix, The Jim Jeffries Show on Comedy Central. She also did uh, Plan B, the movie on Hulu, uh, Comedy Knockout on True TV. Uh, she did her late-night debut with uh, A Little Late with Lily Singh, which is a show uh, that, true or false, I may have written a packet for. Did. And we see where that show ended up when it did not hire me. (laughs) I was looking at the packet that I wrote um, just this week. I was looking at that packet just this week. This is about Supa. Never mind. (laughs) She was doing comedy for about 15 years. She did it uh, when she was in high school, like a young Pete Davidson. (laughs) She's been. Uh, she goes between Los Angeles and New York. She's a. She's great. I think uh, she's uh, one truly just a, a very nice spirited person to talk to. Her Instagram uh, is popping. She's engaged or married. One of those. She has a podcast. Let me double check what that podcast is called. I was just looking at it. Followed by Ron Funches. We share the same follower. <laughs> Yeah, there's a uh, there's a web series that just launched, uh, Downward Mango, and here's the podcast I found it. Family Gems. It is uh, by the Anchor Network. Uh, also, one more true or false? True or false? The Anchor app on my iPad would not update, which means I could not have the music I needed. Uh, it is loaded on a computer, but it will not play from the computer because I can't do that because I'm stupid. Anyway, Family Gems. Uh, is also available wherever you get podcasts, and uh, you can find Supa on Instagram at S U B haha. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but on Twitter, it's S U B H A H, and I assume uh, f- f- Facebook will just be her name. Anyway, dog show. Here's the interview between me and Supa Argwal. Uh, wait, <laughs> you could. Enjoy. (laughs) 
I'm gonna be quite frank. I'm coming off of a cold, so oh, no. if I I'm gonna I'm gonna be I I will um, mute myself if I need to cough or anything. But <laughs> okay. man, I, it was like like I thought it was COVID on Friday, and uh, it wasn't, and it just turned out to be like a really bad cold. And so, yeah, you forget that those exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything that happens to you, you're like, oh shit, this is COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is COVID. I stubbed my toe. It's COVID. It sucks. <laughs> They're like, no, that's uh, acne. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's COVID. Um, <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure this right here is COVID. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, uh, congratulations on the uh, the new album. It's uh, oh, thank you, thank you. I'm very excited. That's a, that's a feat that people don't. I mean, obviously, a lot of people have done it before, but uh, it's whenever someone gets to that level of releasing something, then especially in an official manner. Oh my gosh, then then you know, <laughs> I th I think that that's a good step for that uh, comedian. Oh yeah, absolutely. And plus like, it just feels good to get those jokes out there and published and done with because I was starting to forget them and I was starting to age out of those jokes. It's like, how long am I gonna talk about arguing with my mom? This is embarrassing. Um, so <laughs> it feels good to just get them out there. Um, especially because at a certain point I just start forgetting them and then I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's yeah, that that just get them out there notion is something that I hear comedians say mention all the time. And yeah, and how, how long have you been working on uh, that that set? Um, well, I mean, I've been doing setup for 15 years and then that particular set, I think um, I was like doing an hour, um, you know, like headlining before, but I didn't I'm trying to remember exactly when that set started to come together. And I think it was before the pandemic hmm. uh, when I realized how I wanted to structure the hour and how I had like one 20 minute story that I was like, oh, I can like splice different jokes into these sections and make it like one big special. And so it was I couldn't really work on it during the pandemic, but I think that's when the structure started to come together in my head. And then it only took a few months of like touring and running it for me to be ready to record it. Hmm. And, how, and did you did you feel comfortable like what's a natural just go, I'm going to spend a lot of this time talking about my family? Because I mean, because I know it's a it's a it's a big thing. It's a cultural thing, you know, mm -hmm. to say to like, all right, well, here's my overbang family. And now I'm going to give this to the audience and because right. I didn't know what I experienced. But funnily. Yeah, it was. um it was kind of, I mean, obviously I have some issues I was working through because I couldn't shut up about it, but I, uh, I was kind of just looking through all, I did that. That's what I did to prepare for the hours, list every single joke I liked. And then I was looking for any sort of structure or theme. And then it was literally that 20 minute story about telling my mom I wasn't a virgin that I was like, okay, this is the backbone of the special. And then once I realized the journey I wanted to take, uh, the audience on the rest of it kind of started to fill in and go with it and that's the same thing i did with the, um, the second hour i'm working on so mm. it's more of just so far i've just kind of let it like organically whatever i've been talking about and then once i hit on something where i'm like oh okay i'm stuck on this thing how do i make this a journey for the audience how do i make this a special and then i start to develop out i like that that seems like a very natural way to to come up with something versus you know, uh, this funny thing happened happened to me. Let me let me try to develop jokes around that to make it funny. I uh, yeah, I, I think I think or, organic organic stuff is uh, it's obviously more personal, but it can it can last longer. It feels more green uh, right. because now I feel 
that I could go up to your parents <laughs> and just commiserate with them on having to have <laughs> raised you, you know? <laughs> That's a positive. That's a positive. My parents should support their comedy. I'm sharing their pain with the world. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I also I also felt very attacked by uh, one of the one one not it was in the red flag uh, red flag bit where you were talking about uh, the the musician who slept <laughs> on an air mattress. Now I do want to like I I slept on an air mattress only because I was a senior in college and I was renting. Uh, a three-bedroom townhouse with two other people for the first time in my life, and I all of my money had to go to rent, and I could not afford a bed. So I bought look, an look, an air mattress is not a disqualifier at all. It's just very easy to pick on. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah. No, I've definitely, um, yeah, no, I've definitely. Uh, let's just say lots of air mattresses in my uh, dating histories. <laughs> oh God! Oh no! That's it. Oh, Look at red flags, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, but it's a, it was everything felt natural as I said before, and it felt good. Um, dog show, dog mm -hmm. show, perfect title for this. I uh, love thank you. Love the key art. It's so it's so <laughs> wonderful. It's so specific. And uh, but yes, you're like I so I I grew up with a lot of Indian friends, a lot of uh, mm -hmm. Asian friends, actually East Asian mm -hmm. friends. And and so I I know this world and um and just just hearing all of this brought me back to high school, to middle school and and understanding uh it truly is like you know now yeah. in retrospect a dog show these, yeah. these men are being trotted out for you like he yes. plays piano he does this he does that it's it's insane i, I even I like if, if people have seen like indian matchmaking where mm -hmm. they literally bring out your stats either like a dog show or a baseball player where they're like they have this degree and they've done this this and this it's like it's so um yeah, it just makes you feel like you are being put out, like trotted out to be displayed, you know, yeah. by your family, as opposed to, you know, just being loved. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all you want. All you want is just to be loved. <laughs> I just start crying. You're like, we're going to end this early. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God, six minutes in. Uh, I, um, I also, I also, uh, you and I are also the same in that it is, uh, I'm sorry, my cat is now bite. I'm asking of like a real important question and she's so hungry <laughs> uh, <anyway>. she <laughs> i uh i we're the same that we you you said you have a fiance correct mm -hmm. and, okay. yeah and he's and he's a white person yeah <laughs> okay so uh you and i date outside the race and mm -hmm. it's like it's a huge thing in both of our communities that yeah. uh that a lot of people don't agree with and they have mm -hmm. their opinions on and i uh it sucks. It sucks. Truly, it sucks. You know, and that's going to be something you have to stick with the rest of your life. But um, it's uh, you're very you're very easy to get along with on stage because of things like that, and also because of just things you experience. Because mm -hmm. uh, did, was was it? Did you always want to connect with the audience in any type of way? Because I, I think there's a lot of comedians that don't do that. Right. I mean, it kind of happened organically. I'd say. Um... I do want to, because I mean, I'm, I especially, I mean, now I have him, so that's one less, but I'm very like antisocial in general. So me being on stage, even comedians that aren't personal, they're still connecting in their own way. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I think with me being on stage in particular and sharing my experience, a lot of that comes from me feeling alone and feeling isolated and feeling shame. Um, whether it be for other Indian folks or where it's like, oh my God, she's so like Americanized or she's dating a white dude or like whatever, you know what I mean? It's just sharing that like, oh, I, you know, I felt that embarrassment. I felt that pain. I felt that judgment and I want to share this experience. So other people are going through it. Hmm. Also, I think that's like something nice I could do with my comedy. Uh, I don't know if I always achieve it, but it's like a nice goal to have and then also just to like give that perspective because people especially when they look outside at your situation they make a lot of assumptions yeah. where it's like oh my god she was going after white dudes i'm like no i told him no and he chased me down so <laughs> if he should be mad at anybody be mad at him i'll give you his address but like <laughs> it was like like or like they assume you have a preference or whatever and it's like no man he's the only one that was willing to put up with my bullshit like <laughs> he bought into 11 i mean don't tell him but you know it's just <laughs> yeah there's a, just a lot of because that's especially with like social media it's this false sense of intimacy and again stage uh -huh. i'm still putting up a show it's not 1000 percent who i am even though i'm trying my best to be myself um but i just feel like you make a lot of assumptions about other people or oh they come from this or they're doing this so they suck um and I think being a, like doing comedy gives you the opportunity to share your point of view and your thoughts and like hopefully actually communicate who you are to people in a way they find like funny and super entertaining and that they can relate to. That's good. I, I love that. When did yeah. you feel, when did you decide or when did you actually start feeling that you were comfortable with being this, uh, uh, you, you, as you said, you, you are somebody who's a little bit more introverted, but when did you start feeling like more comfortable on stage as that outward personality, did it take a couple of years or was it instant? Oh, instant. No, I, um, I thought I was allergic to the microphone because my hands would go numb. I didn't know it was a panic attack. I started when I was 17. I wasn't like 25 and I was like, right. what is this? No, <laughs> you're like, Jesus. No, uh, I didn't know what a panic attack was. I was literally having a panic attack for the first five years of me doing stand up comedy. Huh. Um, but in terms of just having to be honest and authentic, part of, because I started comedy because there was this comedian named Russell Peters who all of the Indian kids liked and I wanted them to like me. They didn't like me because they didn't think I was Indian enough basically. So I was trying to be like him and I was like telling jokes about Indian people. And the thing is I started comedy at a place called Pressure Cafe that is in a very Indian part of Chicago. Hmm. So literally like groups of Indian folks would come in and then just stare at me stone faced and be like, oh, this bitch has no idea what she's talking about. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was kind of like a moment in my head where I was like, oh, I have to authentically be myself and say what I believe or these people see straight through me. So that's kind of like how that happened, where I was like, okay, well, then I guess I'll just talk about what I know and what I think and what I believe, because I can't be this person that I think they want me to be because I'm not and they can see through it. Wow, I, I, I can't imagine it like it, it just just going to a place where, you know, theoretically, you should kill. Uh, it's, <laughs> I've done, I've done, you know, uh, I did stand up when I started this stupid website uh, for, for a little bit, just so I, cause I, I never thought I wanted to make, I never wanted to do a career out of it. I just wanted to try it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, so I'm in Atlanta and I would go to places around the city or around, you know, the suburbs I was in at that point in time. And, you know, just playing to 
mixed crowds. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sometimes cons- like a lot of conservative crowds because it's the South. And uh, it just, I remember one time doing uh, uh, doing an open mic and um, this guy told, he was, he was doing all impressions. He was like Jay Farrow, except he had no jokes behind his impressions. <laughs> It was like, what if Eddie Murphy walked in here? It'd be like this. And he would do that. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. it sucks so much ass. But <laughs> I remember like people going wild for him. And then oh, yeah. the, the next, uh, and everybody before him died, like no one, no one laughed at any, anyone, anyone else's stuff. And then the the woman that came after that guy, he, uh, she uh, uh, was like, where are my, where are my uh, Republicans at? And everybody like cheered. And I, I realized that the crowd was there for her. And uh, mm. and they 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 laughed at her stuff. So like the impressionists, they liked this girl who did I think only conservative based comedy. And then I went up there and uh, I I'm not the, I'm not very fun. I'm not like a funniest person. I'm not even very funny. But I went up there and I friggin' bombed. And uh, and I and I had I, for years I've just chalked it up to to that crowd I was playing to and uh, it it just sucks is what I'm saying it just sucks that you know people come in even when they see you in that first half second there's a preconceived notion of oh yeah we're judging you at this right right funny it sucks yeah no that can be really hard I mean but sometimes that is the I mean they always say you should never say it's the audience sometimes it's the audience uh sometimes you suck you know (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah no that does it does suck and I used to it's gotten better but I used to have to address being an Indian woman on stage Mm. because they would just stare at me like I was a dog that stood up in its hind legs and just started talking and I was like I have to be like well I'm a talking dog let's go solve some mysteries or whatever the hell like I literally I had to acknowledge it because there was this tension um but that was like 15 years ago and now it's it's less and less like I almost never see it and when I do see it it's startling to me where it's just like a look of shock on people's face where they're like this is a comedian but now like there's so much diversity and like what people see a comedian is like um thanks to people like Ali Wong and shit like that um it's like really opened up people's perspectives so I've had to address it less and less which is nice yeah Ali Wong and you know uh Gabriel Iglesias and uh uh Kevin Hart they like they've really opened up the door Mm -hmm. and yeah I know those last two played at stadiums and like Dodger (laughs) Stadium and stuff but they've really opened up the door as to you know what the biggest comedians can look like and obviously you know those steps were there before but you know Ali's Ali's first special on Netflix just did bonkers numbers and yeah. no one i'm not gonna say no one expected that but it was it was a surprise because mm-hmm. the people that knew her they knew she was funny but it's the people that don't know her that person in you know middle america or that person in the south that person who never typically watches uh a, an asian comedian do, right. do you know jokes like that it's uh and even russell peters like he's yeah he's he's a he's a big name uh too and uh it's it's good to see these people open up doors for the people that are that look like us that are uh yeah their orbit it proves that like which is like so dumb that we have to keep proving this again and again but it's like yeah people who look like us people can enjoy our content like they don't have to be from the same background as us like they'll come out and see us like so like put us in the lead of a movie or whatever like give have more faith in people (laughs) you know what i mean i mean there's okay there's like a hundred trolls on twitter that are gonna be mad that like 
um, you know, whatever character in Star Wars is not black. But the rest of them, they're not going to give a shit. It's Star Wars. They'll come out, they'll watch the movie, yeah. book people of color in the lead roles. It's fine. You know, like, just breathe. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be okay, you know? Uh, I'm not that any, like, studio head is going to hear this. But if you do, come on, man. There's, <laughs> <laughs> like, one studio head that's like, I love C-plus comedy from uh, this guy in Atlanta. He, I just love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um it's yeah it's uh like whenever i started this this it's a very dumb thing and no one else follows it but i started this thing where a couple of years ago where i don't watch like a show or a movie unless it's got a person of color in it mm-hmm. and it and like and it's and and preferably that it doesn't talk about their culture where they're not right. just you know forced to you know i'm the i'm the spanish character i'm only going to talk about spain you know for the yeah, yeah, yeah. entirety of the show or the movie uh and it and it's made made I, I i can't watch a lot of stuff like the crown i've never seen it and i don't want to uh r.i.p to the queen um but <laughs> i uh but there's like yeah there's just a bunch of things i've never seen and you know to that end when i pull up variety or the hollywood reporter or deadline and i see you know this person was cast in this movie and they add like five white names and then like one brown person i go really i mean unless there's a line that says get your beautiful white ass over here they like that person yeah like another it, person could have taken one of those white uh roles it, it's it, it sucks yeah wasn't um michael b jordan talking about that with like fahrenheit 451 or some shit yeah where yeah i think it was him where it's like Michael B. Jordan, like you're gonna question because the character was you don't think Michael B. Jordan, one of the most talented actors, one of the mm. most hottest people on this planet, like right. you you don't think people are gonna come out to see that he can't embody that? Like what? Like yeah. come on, man! Like yeah, it, I mean authors have that work to do where it's like opening, I, which is like, um, I mean I know the creator of Bridgerton did it, but I also think doesn't like Shonda Rhimes do that too? Yeah, where she's Bridgerton. Yeah, I well, I, I don't know if she wrote it. I know she produced on it, but um, like I was listening to her, um, like talk about writing, and she was talking about how she doesn't necessarily give a physical description. She talks about the emotion they evoke. Okay. Where it's like he's inspiring, or everyone is like, uh, you know what I mean, like or intimidating or whatever, like yeah. to open up casting opportunities that they haven't thought of before. So um, I think like authors do have some work to be more like Shonda Rhimes and like create characters that could either be any ethnicity or an ethnicity that it won't, we don't typically see is um, it'll make it easier because yeah, it's, it's wild how much people are unwilling to reimagine the ethnicity of a character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like, and yeah. And, you know, and to some extent it goes beyond ethnicity, uh, like the movie bros that's coming out with, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's that Billy Eichner and yeah. John Apatow. It's, I, it's a, it's a movie, queer people. I love it. There's no people of color from what I could tell from the, like I go to IMDb. If I scroll, if it takes me a while to scroll down to a, a Brown person, then, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's queer, but also there's lacking, you know, diversity. Yeah. and and same thing for uh CBS just announced I have uh, this week or last week, they said that they're going to start including more uh, people with uh, different abilities, you know, so mm-hmm. differently able people, which is uh, fantastic. I think, you know, it's uh yeah, it's, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be this difficult to get people yeah. who, who don't look necessarily normal mm-hmm. or speak the same or whatever. Uh, and the, like when the Emmys came last night, when, when uh, Squid Game won those roles, I was so excited because 
it was uh, awards because it was it was it's good to see you know just something that didn't wasn't born out of English you know yeah and uh, that wasn't born out of yeah. uh, some white man's fever dream too and I love white people I'm not I'm not saying you know, <laughs> I love the women I love the white women too you know just but anyway, it's just it's just good to see these things I love all women I love all women no discrimination here. Uh, <laughs> my cat's a woman, <laughs> um, but it's good to see these things, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, no, not- and I, I feel you. And I always try to like be um, patient. You know what I mean? If that makes sense, where it's like, um, if like a director typically does works that are very diverse, and then they have a movie that isn't, I'm not going to be like, oh, burn them to the ground. I also feel like there should be room for like criticism and then people going like, oh, I should have done better and then doing better without it being like this super toxic, like, well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm going to burn this creative to the ground. And I'm like, all right, just like let them. I mean, yeah, if it's like a patterned behavior and they refuse to change for sure, fuck them. But like, <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm, I just feel like there has to be, um, there doesn't yeah. have to be. I mean, I, I feel like I would like there to be redemption and like opportunities for people to wor- learn just as somebody personally who's very dumb. So I'm like trying to create space for myself. Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah, no, I just think like, look at what people are doing um, over like, who the fuck? Um, that guy, it was uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or whatever, that director and like, Quentin. Quentin, thank you, Jesus Christ. I was gonna, I was like, he's super famous. I felt so dumb. I'm like, what is that color? Red. Uh, yeah, no, Quentin Tarantino. They were talking about how um, the female character didn't really have barely any lines. And they were like, why would you write a woman like that? I'm like, yeah, but if you look at all of his other movies, he has like super strong, like female lead oh, characters. Yeah. So I think like also, um, like look at what people are doing overall, you know, um, before, people it's so easy to like i don't know (laughs) like uh condemn people but i would say like for me it's more of like if this is a pattern thing you're refusing to fix or change then i'm like yeah this is something bad very bad (laughs) this is we'll get back to you this is the last thing i'll say on Mm -hmm. this but i remember at the oscars a couple of years ago uh francis mcdormand when she she won an award she got up and she said inclusion writer and then everybody in the audience stood up and started clapping and uh, what she meant by that was to get people to, you know, behind the scenes, in front of the camera and behind the camera yeah. to start hiring different looking people. And and then, uh, you know, a year later, nobody implemented that with the exception of our boy, Michael B. Jordan. He was the only one to do anything about that. I and think that, um, Ava DuVernay started something yeah, along Ava, those yeah. lines, too. Yeah. She, yeah. For her show. Is that Queen Sugar? She had like an entire yeah. season that was women were directors. Uh, but it, and- it's so important. It's so important because it's like it's wild how like and you see it with photographers, too, where sometimes they just don't know how to light or like film people of color yeah. or and it's just like you need it on every level you really do you know from like makeup artists to writers to performers to the people doing the lighting and the sound Mm -hmm. like and that's the thing it's like so easy to focus on the discrimination in like hollywood because it's these people are famous but it's also happening probably at your walgreens and at a bakery like there's like you have to keep fighting this fight on every level you know so it's like good to see people having that cognizance because i i mean 
I don't know that I would have had that thought. You know what I mean? Like if I would have been like, oh yeah, it's only white dudes holding the sound equipment. I, I don't know that I would have consciously right. had that thought. So it's like, I'm always grateful when people are like, yeah, this is weird and fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it needs yeah. to change, you know? That's why uh, I, I totally agree with everything you said. When I, when I was, uh, uh, when I do, so I do my research, I do, I did mm-hmm. some peeping and I was looking at your Instagram <laughs> and uh, you posted a deadline article. Mm-hmm. So excited with your name highlighted. That's mm-hmm. I always champion people when, when they get, you know, cast in the role and they're so, and they're, and they're happy and they want to post this article that like Nicole Byer still does it uh, yeah. because it's something that's important and, uh, mm-hmm. and should be lauded. It's, uh, it's, fantastic to see you know if someone someone like you just rise up in the ranks oh thank you appreciate that <laughs> uh so that's a that's a movie correct or mm-hmm. is it a tv show okay no it's a movie <laughs> yeah okay. wow okay and uh and have has work started on that at all oh yeah we wrapped it i think there may they said there might be some reshoots but i haven't heard anything so i think it's um in post right now but yeah very excited for it to come out <laughs> that's good i mean you know it's uh you wrote on the jim jeffrey show right mm-hmm. and did that help you hone, you know, was what did was acting? Did that help you hone your voice? Did uh, uh, writing on the, on that show? I know you're writing for somebody else, but did that help you hone your voice as a comedian at all? Um, I think like any writing you do can like potentially bleed into the way you tell jokes or structure or like, I think with um, maybe with the Jim Jeffries show, it did help me focus on a subject for longer uh, mm-hmm. when I was like writing jokes and things. Um, but I mean, I had been doing stand up for so long by the time I started writing for that. I think um, actually acting has made me a stronger scripted writer uh, because to act, you have to really learn how to develop a character or like understand the depth of a character you need to have in your head to be able to step into them. Mm-hmm. So when I'm developing characters now as a scripted writer, having that background as an actor is like invaluable. Like it really thought me like this is the level of detail I need to understand how this person thinks, how they walk, how they move. Like it just made me realize there's so much I need to really develop a three dimensional functioning person um, moving around in the script. Yeah, that's a that's a, a very beautiful sentiment to have. You know, it's like we've all seen the bad dialogue. Uh, between one actor to another yeah and, and you know to have that experience uh, I think really opens up the the possibilities of what your script can be mm-hmm. and so that's it's, I'm glad that you even if it's a short or if it's a tv show or a movie I'm glad that you're able to find that uh both oh, on you. and off the page thank you <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm pretty good at this uh I'm kidding I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. uh okay so uh let's see what else Do I have anything else I want to ask you um I think we might be good on this I don't know it's uh do you feel good I feel good I feel good okay great <laughs> except for that the bleeding sensation in my lungs I feel <laughs> I can't. Um, that, that's uh, that's COVID. That and the dandruff. That's all COVID. <laughs> COVID and dandruff. Oh my god. Hey, that's the title of your next special. COVID and dandruff. Um. Uh. But thank you so much for staying down with me. I oh no, really, thank I you. I really do appreciate this. No, this was really fun. Thank you for having me. Uh. And uh. And have a good rest of your day. Uh, you too. Uh, Go feature cat. Yeah, I, <laughs> she's got thirty more minutes. It's fine. She can she can hold on for for thirty minutes. Uh, but again, thanks. Good luck on everything. And uh, you're a great performer and keep it up. I, I really oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. And we're back to the show. Oh, man, I haven't done this in a long time. But, you know, sometimes it's what you got to do.
if you're if you're still here, and I don't know why you would have stayed, we're gonna do the rest of the show. Two forty three. What have I been doing with my um, uh, time? Not doing things. Uh, not doing this show. Hold on, I'm submitting my timesheet for work. <laughs> That's a very true thing I just did. I have a reminder every Friday at four o'clock to do the timesheet, and um, uh, sometimes I remember, sometimes I do not. Nova's birthday, the cat. Nova is my cat for your listeners. Uh, her birthday was this past Tuesday, September twenty seventh. She was born in captivity, so that's the reason why we know it. And uh, I thought it was the week prior, but it was not. Anyway, I had this idea to make. A, a video for her that she obviously can't understand, but for me to get clout on uh, Instagram. And it was a video of her. It was not her. Excuse me. Uh, uh, this video was a cameo. Was cameo. <laughs> was a it was a it was a couple of cameos. One from Garfield. One from uh uh wait who was it? It's Garfield, uh, Snagglepuss, and Sylvester the cat. In fact, if you are watching the video, I will throw this up. Let me see. Uh, let's see. Okay, there's that, and then I take that off. Oh wait, hold on. I'm sorry, I just turned off the zoom for some reason. All right, so I will, I will do it for you. You'll see the other episodes that I have not done yet, but it's a very, it's very funny. There's Garfield. If you're watching the video, uh, you can't hear the sound because I have uh, decided not to air that. And then uh, you can see uh, there's Sylvester and then there's Snagglepuss. And I put reviews down at the bottom because that's what the cameos are. And I tagged Cameo and I tagged uh, Looney Tunes and them and they did not respond. <sighs> you know, sometimes I just wish these things would go the way I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I wanted the clout. <laughs> I got a lot of nice responses and a lot of nice uh, people saying, oh, you have a cat. <laughs> 243, Supa Argwal. What else is going on? Oh, I bought a Sony Vita. Now, if you don't know, this is a defunct uh, successor to the PlayStation Portable and is the last Sony portable machine, uh, portable device. And uh, you know what? In fact, I think it might be the last one for good. But it is a touchscreen device, a dual-sided touchscreen. It's got a front touchscreen and a back touchscreen, a back touchscreen, which I'll probably never use. Uh, But I bought it, and then I said, uh, you know what? I, I I thought there's a there's I have a list I have a list on my Notion account and I promise we'll get to the episode I have a list to my on my Notion account uh, that's that is uh, truly just video games there's video games I want to collect and buy I don't want to collect video games there's video games I just wanted I just want to have in my life again uh, like Simpsons Hit and Run if I could go back in time and tell myself not to trade that into GameStop and get whatever like ten dollars or whatever it was oh my god because that now that game you know, used is like 80 bucks. Same thing for Mario Kart. Also, uh, Mario Kart Double Dash. Uh, I, I have Mario Kart Ultimate on Switch. The thing is, I want Double Dash, and this woman on next door put it up for $80, and I go, all right, let me see if I can talk her down to, you know, 65 or whatever. She doesn't respond. And then, like, the next week I go, all right, well, is this still available? <laughs> I didn't say I was going to pay the 80 but I was like, it's still available. Does not respond. So I just, like... I was just like, what, what do you what do you want from me? And then she has another GameCube game up there and like some other stuff. And they all say like one interested, you know, people sending a message. But if you're not gonna if you're not gonna respond, then don't have it up. Anyway, it's ridiculous. I would rather spend a hundred dollars on Mario Kart Double Dash than try to talk to some jerk who doesn't want to even respond to me. Maybe she's racist. Uh, <laughs> she's stupid for selling it for eighty dollars. 
Anyway, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I so I so I cracked the Vita open, and uh, oh, excuse me, I didn't I didn't even say that yet. Yes, I jailbroke the Vita. I was gonna buy a bunch of Vita games, and there's no there's no good way to add money to the. I don't advocate stealing. I do not advocate stealing video games or movies or anything. If it's a if it's a defunct system, if it's if they're not giving you a way to video game preservation essentially that's why there's a lot of collectors that's why you know uh there's people that jailbreak their uh wii's or jailbreak their GameCube or not GameCube's. i don't jailbreak GameCube's, but they run emulators and stuff so i'm running emulators uh and if if they gave me a good way to buy like if like i wanted to buy you know jack and daxter collection which i already own on ps5 but if i if i wanted to buy it on vita the only way to do it would be to buy a physical copy, which would be like 60 bucks or to uh, buy the digital copy, which would be like 20. And uh, I, I, <laughs> I, so I got the original impetus of was for me to just get an, a micro SD card and there's a way for you to jailbreak it. So you can uh, get to use a micro SD card on the system because there is a, there's, there, there's a proprietary software uh, and also, let me tell you, when I bought this Vita, I bought it from a guy who was moving out of my house. I went to the house to go pick it up. House was just filthy. I got the Vita home. I wiped it down. I wiped down the three games he gave, and they were all like anime games, like with like like women with like no, I'm sorry, girls with giant breasts, <laughs> like those those anime games. Uh, I looked up the uh, how much those games are worth. He should not have given that to me. <laughs> I paid fifty dollars, and those games are worth. At least a hundred each. That's not a joke. He like he really should not have sold that to me. Uh, anyway, but the system itself self is so filthy. It's so disgusting. There's like gunk in the charge port. There's there's crap right here that I have to take a cotton swab and and like it's still greasy from him. And he and I and I've had this for like three weeks. Anyway. I bought an SD card uh, reader thing for the Vita. You put it inside of the game card slot right here, and uh, it's 128 gigs. I don't want to go for 256 because I know what games I wanted. I wrote down the list of that's why I got the Notion list. And uh, long it just just ended just end the stupid conversation, uh, conversation end the stupid anecdote. Uh, I did jailbreak it. There's at least you know 20 games, all Vita games or uh, PSP games that would have been. Full price, like probably three hundred dollars to buy, but you know if you're not gonna if you're not gonna move those over to the PlayStation Store, if you're not gonna make it easy because you have to put money into the PlayStation Store just to buy it, you can't use your credit card. Then there's just no point for me. But I got all the Ratchet and Clank games on here now, and I got Sly Cooper games. I got the God of War games. It's great. It's fun. It's uh, all everything is the portal version, not the not the full stuff, but. It's great to have like just like a uh, things like this, and you know I've toyed around with. Uh, I used to do emulators for uh, my phone. That's the reason why. That's like a huge reason why I have Android is because I want to be able to you know download an emulator and play Pokemon on my phone to go. Uh, and then I realized that burns the battery like crazy. So I don't. I have not done that in years. But that's the first time I've jailbroken anything since and. Uh, well, I didn't. You didn't have to. You don't for Android. You don't have to jailbreak anything. All you have to do is download an emulator, download the ROM. You're good to go. So, but that's the first time I've, I've jailbroken anything for a long time. I think I did that to something. I think my iPod Touch. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, one day I will buy a, a new Nintendo 3DS. 
the 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 big one, and then the one with the second dub, and I will maybe do the same to that. But there's only like four other DS games that I want for that, uh, so I'd probably just buy those. Any loser, there's that. That's my anecdote for the time being. Uh, anything else? No. Let's get going. Okay. Spotify's uh, doing audiobooks. This comes from New York Times, written by Alexandra Alter and Elizabeth A. Harris. Spotify makes a bet on audiobooks. They've got 300,000 books right now on a paper book model. It's not like Audible. You have to buy the audio. Well, I mean, I mean, Audible, even then, you still buy the audiobook. But you're going to pay full price for these books, and you're only going to be able to listen to them on Spotify. I don't like gatekeeping. Uh, things behind paywalls and everything, and uh, you don't have to have a Spotify. Uh, excuse me, you don't have, you don't have to have Spotify Premium in order to listen to audiobooks, but in order to buy them, I mean thirty dollars, and then you have to listen to it on on Spotify. Uh, so there's that. They, uh, I mean, audiobooks huge. It's a huge, huge industry. Uh, it's about it's about uh, 1.67 I had to clear my throat there <laughs> uh, 1.67 billion dollars uh, in 2021 which was an increase from 25 percent from 2020 and God it feels like I'm about to sneeze and um, 74,000 audiobooks were released last year compared to in 2011 7200 so 74,000 7200 that's crazy that's huge audiobooks obviously big big market but what 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 is Spotify's? Uh, it, Spotify is trying its best to be the the one stop shop for audio listenership. However, people find that app very convoluted. I saw a post today on the Verge earlier uh, that, in fact, I will. I'm not going to link to it, but I will mention it. Uh, oh, it's right here. First thing up, written by Russell Brandum. Brandum, not Brandin. Brandum. Brand dumb name. Um, I'm sorry, that, that was very mean. I hate it when people. <laughs> I the uh, one time I wrote uh, this is and this is like part of the reason why I stopped writing reviews. Uh, also because I it just made me hate whatever I was watching, even if I loved it. Uh, th- I wrote a I wrote a review for American Housewife, the first episode. Pilots are hard, so I that's that's another reason why I stopped. Uh, and also, they just became recaps. Anyway. You have to be a really good writer in order to not make it seem like a recap. And I think I'm a good writer, but not not that good. Not for not for that. Not for that. Anyway, I wrote a, a review for uh, American Housewife, and I tagged all of the actors in it. And then uh, Diedrich Bader on Twitter, um, you know Diedrich Bader's on uh, uh, Veep. He's he's Batman sometimes. Uh, he wrote back. It's a really good show. I just hope people will stay tuned and watch. And he like responded to that tweet, and I was like, oh shoot. And then all there's all these responses, and one of the responses said, "More like D plus comedy, right?" <sighs> so I, I'm not gonna make fun of anyone's name. Sorry, Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> Russell Brandon. Sorry, I like that was not a joke. Anyway, Spotify keeps making it harder for me to listen to music, uh, and and this and Russell's correct. It is like it is just the the most. It's a it's a feature rich app, but it is so uncompelling to listen to anything on there, especially if you're a free listener. Uh, they make it so difficult to listen to anything or to find anything. They keep pushing premium on you. But even even when you're premium and you and you have all that stuff, uh, you have audiobooks, you got podcasts, which they want to do a big push on. It's, uh, I just want the music. I just want the music. That's why, you know, Apple has Apple Music and Apple Podcasts. And then they have books. 
yes, I know it's three different apps, but they work. I mean, the, still, the Apple Music app is very convoluted. I don't, none of these apps are good to look at. I think YouTube Music is too plain. Spotify is too busy. And Apple Music, uh, there's there's too much dis, uh, configuration configuration between all of it. Speaking of Apple Music, let's go on to uh, Alex Weprin over at the Hollywood Reporter. They're hosting the Apple. <laughs> they are now the owners of the halftime show, the Super Bowl halftime show. TM, that is a thing that's happening. Uh, this is a great buy for them. Starting in February 2023 at the at the next uh, Super Bowl show, Super Bowl series, Apple Music is going to be the partner. Apple Music is going to be throwing it along, and uh, Rihanna is going to be there. Uh, let me tell you how I found out. I woke up one morning. I went to the gym. It was 4 o'clock. I went to the gym. I do go to the gym at 4. Uh, I wake up at four, 4 o'clock in the morning. I go to the gym. And um, I open Apple Music because that's what I have right now. I have a six-month subscription uh, for a dollar from Best Buy. It was a good buy. It was the Best Buy. Excuse me while I'm going to go jump off the roof. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I I open up the app, and it just says uh, Rihanna's – or no, no, sorry. Uh, you're, you're home of the Super Bowl halftime show or whatever. They had like a bunch of playlists ready to go. And I was – and I went and – I, and I blew it off. I went, I went oh, okay. I mean, I, I guess it is football season. <laughs> <laughs> just blew it off and then like uh three hours later uh they put out a press release and i went oh that's why okay all right so there you go that's the story halftime shows are great i mean that's that's the only thing that is probably watched more than the super bowl itself uh this is this is i mean a fantastic leverage for apple like this is nothing could have gone better for them in sports at this point in time. Nothing could have gone better. Uh, like, I mean, they, and, and like, this is, this is great for them. You know, they have their foot in football. They have the streaming rights to, um, uh, uh, uh baseball games to Friday night baseball. Uh, and, and Sunday do who do they have Sunday? No, no. Sunday's, uh, um, ABC is a ESPN ABC. Uh, so I think, I think I, I don't know. I was going to double check right now by, Going on to the Apple TV app. But maybe they even have soccer as well. Uh, This is bad for me to look at. They do have soccer. But it is also hooked up to my ESPN Plus. They do have soccer though. I'm I'm looking to see if any of this has ESPN Plus next to it. Uh, Nope, that's ESPN Plus. Do they have soccer? Okay, they have baseball. (laughs) Oh God! I uh, okay. I don't know if they have soccer or not. I could just Google it. That's the easiest thing. I want to be. I want to be ignorant, but uh, I don't. I can't right now. Apple Music, soccer. Let's see. Uh, soccer and Apple Music. Excuse me, Apple TV. You all heard what I said. Yes, Apple and uh, MLS to present all MLS matches for ten years. Around the world for 10 years, beginning in 2023. So Apple is quickly going to be a big a big part of sports for the next, for minimum, 10 years. Uh, I, I, next year, I, I expect them to have way more baseball games. And, uh, and then this is also a good stepping stone for them to, because it's rumored that they're in the running to purchase uh, NFL Sunday ticket away from DirecTV, uh, which anybody should do that. Please, God, please. But this, that is, that is, I mean, the one thing I have to say about that is um, the only way that they could offer NFL Sunday ticket to everybody is if they 
base same price for Apple TV, which is five dollars, which I think will go up regardless. Uh, but same price for Apple TV, but they include that as an add-on, the Sunday ticket, you know, as the hundred twenty dollar add-on, whatever it is, or they give it to everybody, but raise the price of Apple TV to seven or eight dollars. Because think of it this way: Apple Music is ten dollars, and they give us lossless. Uh, and the closest thing, the closest thing to listening without a, a, a separate deck as possible. Um, and and we see Disney Plus raising uh, its prices by uh, several dollars. Either uh, the bundle, I mean, or rather, yeah, the bundles are going up, or the separate services are going up. Um, uh, uh, Netflix has risen its prices multiple times. So it's only a matter of time before Apple TV has to raise its price from that entry fee of five dollars, which I which is a great price. Set it and forget it, and it's got a lot of good shows on there. Movies not so much. <laughs> it's very true. Movies suck. Uh, but speaking of sports, we're going to move on to the Athletic. Got to I got to utilize this twenty eight dollar per month uh, uh, New York Times uh, 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 subscription. Got to read the Athletic too. Written by Mike Vorkanov. Hmm, sounds Russian. NBA League, excuse me, NBA uh, launching new app for all of its content, including League Pass. This is a sports-heavy episode. Sports, go sports. <clears throat> Garfunkel <and> notes. <laughs> NBA's got a new app, new design, newly designed app that uh, came out on Android and uh, iOS, probably just iOS, and knowing how people freaking develop. The NBA app. This new version took two and a half years to design, and it's going to be a lot more reminiscent of how social media apps look. Like how uh, I don't, I'm not going to say TikTok because TikTok wasn't pop, as popular as it was two years ago, but it's going to be closer to TikTok and Instagram. You can still buy the League Pass for this season, which is going to be 50% off uh, for a hundred dollars, and that's how you're going to watch all the uh, games. Now, I don't understand if this is going to be available on uh, set-top boxes like Android TV or Apple TV or Fire TV. So those are the three big ones. Uh, <laughs> no one's using Xiaomi TV. Well, you know, uh, China's watching you uh, with Xiaomi. That's, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're watching what you watch and then they're market towards you or whatever. There's also going to have original production. There's also going to have. They're also going to have original productions, uh, behind-the-scenes documentaries uh, from, uh, or excuse me, one behind-the-scenes documentary um, uh, about the last last year's Warriors, how they won. Uh, 1,200 hours of on-demand uh, stuff to watch. And, uh, and just other, they're going to have bets. You're going to have to be able to track your bets and stuff, and I'm sure that's going to be healthy. But you can't place bets in the app. You can track your bets. You can't place bets, which is, well. The NBA app will also allow users to connect to limited live action, but it will allow them to access uh, games with their League Pass subscription. And it will have different streams of games, like a betting stream or a strategy stream. Oh, I can't wait to see a betting or a strategy stream. More importantly, the game will be shown with let the games will be shown with less latency and in better quality. Better quality. Last season, the latency was roughly forty-five seconds to a minute behind. The latency speed this season could be on par with traditional broadcasts. Sports uh, really trying to go mobile. They're trying to break out from the traditional uh, model of television. I see a lot of 
on Instagram in particular, and I assume TikTok as well, I see a lot of breakouts from whatever team or whatever sport was happening the night before. So it's football. That Monday morning, I will see just uh, a house of highlights. I will see uh, Bleacher Report, ESPN. Everybody's cutting down minute-long video, putting them up and saying little uh, funny little phrases. Oh, it, uh, man's lost his shoe. <laughs> Or uh, he went out there and yeeted that ball. (laughs) You see how uncomfortable I am? I don't know what any of that means. But sports, we have sports. Sports are coming in a way now that they don't have to be tied to traditional broadcast or even just cable. There's a way that streaming and and, um, uh, uh, social media uh, can help it. uh, That 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 only that only that those things can. All right, let's continue. Blonde is out on Netflix. I do want to watch it. I love Anna Domers. Oh, my God. We would make such beautiful children. Just. Uh, and I will watch it at one point. So here we go. Uh, oh, apparently. No, it's none, of my, it's none of my business. I don't care what people think about the movie. I don't, even, I don't need to read that. I'm scrolling away. Also, Scrooter Braun says he regrets the way that uh, the Terrace with catalog acquisition was handled. Go talk to Taylor, my guy. I say that as a Swiftite. <laughs> this next one comes from Cynthia Littleton from Variety. Mainstream Hollywood damages its profits, uh, profit potential by largely ignoring Latinx stories and audiences study. Uh, I also want to comment on this other one, bring these both up at the same time. Malala, if you remember Malala Youssef, is the teenage, now young adult uh, woman, uh, who a Muslim woman who is uh, who stands up for um, women, and uh, and people of color. She's great. This comes from Variety, also written by Minori Ravindran and E.J. Penaligan. Penaligan. Malala calls out Hollywood, colon. Muslim actors only make up 1% of popular TV series uh, leads. Okay. So, barring, barring shows like Rami and barring shows like uh, One Day at a Time, there's, there's not a lot of stories... From this sector of brown, from these sectors rather of brown people, from Latinos and from uh, Muslims, and 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 uh, and and with with the last couple of years of you know it being Black Lives Matter and then Stop Asian Hate, there obviously is going to be uh, sectors of people who are left out. I'm not saying those you know some incel white dude who's like they're not making shows about white people. I mean, don't worry, darling. It's a movie full about white people. It's funny how, uh, and I, I'm just going to, I'm going to dance right past this because I really don't like uh, uh, Olivia uh, Wilde that much. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's funny how she, you know, she has it. She comments on like, uh, uh, Chris, Chris Pine's character was based off of this uh, um, incel, you know, speaker guy or whatever. And then, uh, and her movie is, like only starring white people, it just doesn't make sense. Like all her, all her movies, the movies that she makes only star white people, which is, this is interesting to me. Like she doesn't even have like featured people of color in those movies. Whatever. Anyway, so this, I mean, this is this is, I mean, that's what I'm uh, getting at. We don't, we we're we're lacking these stories for these for for brown people, uh, and now more in particular, these uh, Latin the stories with Latino people as well as stories with Muslim people. 
Rami Rami is out there. Rami and now um, Mo on Netflix, uh, which is also you know created by Rami. Uh, these those are the, those are like we're just we just have a handful of shows between either of these, and uh, there's uh, I mean. In a couple of years, the uh, Latin, I don't want to say Latinx because I, I don't like Latinx. Uh, uh, Latinos are going to be, the, uh, the I, I don't want to say dominant, but like the a majority of the country. And uh, the, the well, population-wise, uh, the Latino population is just growing. It's just booming. Uh, there needs to be representation on screen for these people that, uh, that, that don't get this uh, much of a, a chance, you know. And uh, what's more, at present, oh, and this is uh, this the nonprofit who did the study, Latino Donor Collaborative. They released the study on Tuesday that talks about how little progress Latinx uh, talent has made in TV shows and movies for the past five years. Um, at present, Latinx communities make up about 19% of the U.S. in 2020. That's going to grow considerably, obviously. And uh, it's gonna oh, it's gonna be great. I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait. Get get these incel white dudes out of here. <laughs> Getting mad because there's black elves in Lord of the Rings. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, only three point one percent of TV series featured a Latinx lead or co lead character, and only and of those, only one point three percent were that uh, what the report describes as positive portrayals. There are which are non stereotypical rules, which is what which is stuff I'm talking about when I say we need to get uh, uh, shows starring you know black people that aren't uh, um, I want to say um, uh, like my mom watches stuff she has my Netflix login and she'll only watch things that are like he like he betrayed me or you know I make I make this joke to her all the time. Uh, or like you know, she watch something on BET Plus, like uh, uh, the lives we lived, and it's just all this stuff that is just that is just so stereotypical. Like, why can't why can't there be uh, shows? And then and then to that extent, even on FX, you know, Atlanta, Atlanta's got to be a show that has to talk about race all the time, which is like the reason I stopped watching it. Um, like, I just I want to see shows starring brown people that don't have these stereotypical. Uh, 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 characters in them all the time or stereotypical titles or roles or anything like looking at this Latinx representation uh, in the film and TV they had to be uh, the the stereotypical roles include like include like drug dealers and prostitutes and housekeepers and nannies or maids why why is it that that always has to be that and then and then when and then finally when there's a chance for something to be made it has to be stuck in those stereotypical roles like oh this is going to be a show built uh, uh for we're going to be talking about the hate and everything but we don't have to do that we don't have to there's already obviously other stuff doing it other shows and movies doing it why can't we not <laughs> just saying uh in, in 2019 u.s latinos accounted for 23 percent of all moviegoers and purchased 29 percent 2.9 billion dollars of all box office tickets sold for english language films august representation of films released through august of this year stood about 5.2 percent of lead characters and 2.6 percent of directors that includes uh, people like guillermo del toro who i also have a problem with uh, he's he's Mexican, Mexican director. 
I would I his last couple of movies, and I know this is true because I just looked it up on Wikipedia because uh, I was looking up the trailer for his new show on Netflix, and then I was like, well, he hasn't done anything with brown people. The last time he had a brown any any care any actors of color, <laughs> let's just say that in a movie was Pacific Rim, and that was 2013. He's done like four movies since then, four or five movies since then, and like a couple of TV shows. It's just ridiculous to me how like he even he has fallen into this uh, uh, this well of, I don't know, I'm going to use white actors. I, and the same thing for bros. I want to see bros. I love Judd Apatow. I think Nick Stoller is a great uh, director, and I think Billy Agner is a very funny guy. My problem is, all the trailers up until the stuff that I saw maybe in August uh, were pointing to this is a this is a rom com yeah it's about gay people this is a rom com about gay people there's no brown people in it <laughs> and it's just I was talking with somebody this morning who is of the LGBTQ variety uh, and and uh, who was a who was a black male in the LGBTQ variety and we and uh, uh, and we both agreed like it just sucks that there's no brown people in the movie now he's gonna go see it. Cause he's gay. Uh, <laughs> he's got to support those, those homosexuals. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's just, it just sucks uh, that, that this, this has to be this way. It doesn't have to be, but this, this has to be this way. Uh, but going over to the Malala story, she said that uh, quote, I learned that Asian people like me, uh, Asian people like me make up less than 4% of leads in Hollywood films. Muslims are 25% of the population, but only 1% of characters in popular TV series. I, I mean, it, isn't that just horrific? Like if, if there were, if there were, you know, let's just, let's go back to his insult white, white people, uh, white dudes. Uh, let's say white people. Uh, if, if they, if, uh, if they, <laughs> just better laugh. Uh, if they, um, if, if there were movies like um, uh, 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 Moonlight, if movie, if like, if if every race had a movie like Moonlight, or you know what, let's just say this: if every Marvel Disney movie that came out uh, only had brown people in it, they would be pissed. They'd be like, "Well, Spider Man is supposed to be white. Peter Parker is supposed to be white. Uh, Iron Man is supposed to be like." It wouldn't it? Wouldn't that piss? Wouldn't that piss them off? Uh, I mean, look at <laughs> look at uh, I was about to curse. Look at uh, uh, Ariel. Ariel. They they're mad at Ariel. They're mad. They're mad at um uh, the 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 elves in Lord of the Rings. They're mad at uh. I mean, are they, is anyone mad at Bridgerton? <laughs> How dare those uh, black princes touch the supple white bodies of those white princesses? <laughs> Continuing on, Malala says, uh, I know that the executives have passed on dozens of quality, equally amazing projects because they thought the characters or the creators were too young, too brown, too foreign, too poor. Sometimes it feels like they're saying we just don't belong here. And it's true. I it just we they it's 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 kind of like a, a catch twenty two in this in this industry. People Want that they say they want the diversity. It's just, I'm going to keep referring back to Francis McDormand at the Oscars a couple years ago. People stand for inclusion rider, and then uh, no one acts on it. That's why I only watch shows and movies with pe- brown people. 
not, I don't only watch movies, but I'm saying like I only watch there's stuff that I want to watch. If there's if you know it's they they've got to be a, like the like White Lotus. I'm never gonna watch that show. I don't I don't want to see white people com- uh, talking about their lives or complaints. Same thing with Hacks. Hacks sucks. I hate Hacks. I do not like that show. It's, it's a bad show. <laughs> it is not. I often I don't if I don't like something I was going you know I'm not a fan. I actively dislike Hacks. But we have to start propping people up and it, it stinks that we're, we're at this level where uh uh that they're not speaking of tv let's go on this written by james poniwazik and margaret lyons this is something i wanted to do last week but or the last show but i could not uh and running out of time this time new york times fall tv is dead but buzz will always be with us two television critics ponder what fall tv even means in the streaming area and discuss the series they're most looking forward to this season it is so strange right now to want to be like to want to watch television. If you can, you can truly just get all the streaming services. Like uh, one person who's on the mic does. You can get all the streaming services, and uh, it can, and you can have every single TV show, save for some stuff that's on basic cable. I mean, not basic, yeah, on basic cable. Save, you know, for Yellowstone. You can pretty much watch everything by just getting streaming services. Uh, TV Now TV shows premiere all the time. Netflix is dropping a new show every Tuesday and Friday. New shows every Tuesday and Friday, or new shows and movies. Disney is dropping, Disney Plus is dropping new shows every Wednesday and Thursday. Peacock, I don't know, at some point. <laughs> Uh, HBO Max, I don't know, whenever they can. <laughs> I work there. I can't comment. <laughs> I can't comment on what's happening. <laughs> but things are dropping all the time. And now uh, even cable even cable is getting into it where they'll put out over the summer. I don't think FX went a week without being dry, Ugh, without being wet. Ugh, see, worse. That was worse. And and uh, Fox Broadcasting has been wanting to do a uh, when when the Simpsons and Family Guy and Bob's Burgers and the Great North go off uh, for their for their hiatuses, the Fox Broadcasting has always been ready to or been ready for the past couple of years to do a Monday night uh, animation nomination during the summer, uh, which they canceled um, Duncanville for, which is a great show, and they're bringing back House Broken next year. And it was held off from this year. It is so strange to me. Anyway, fall TV used to be that time where we get these new, like from like May, things would be done. And then uh, in uh, September, late September, early, early October, everything would start up again. It was, it was new, you know, sometimes the Simpsons and SNL would be pushed to like mid October and, and they'd have to start with the Halloween episodes, but things started up. But now we're getting shows House of Dragon, Lord of the Rings. Everything came before, as uh, James Poniwazik said, before Labor Day. Or he wrote. It's, it's, I mean, the rhythm is off. But now we have to work around it. And now we're getting reboots. And now we're getting uh, uh, sometimes new IP. Sometimes sometimes new IP. Uh, and then Margaret suggests that we really lose Fall TV. But now... I mean, it's ramping up. Over the summer, we did get a lot of stuff to drop, but it's still kind of ramping up even more so now because we have the advent 
We have not Advent. We have broadcast. We have cable. We have streaming. We got a new podcast. Doughboys have a new podcast on Spotify. I was listening last night live. It's cool to do it live. I like that. And we still have we still have fall TV. We still have things premiering on broadcast that are huge hits. We still have Abbott Elementary. We're still gonna have. Uh, I just watched uh, Home Economics. So you think you can dance? All that stuff. Although I think that's that's Disney Plus. Uh, Ghosts. Ghosts came on last night. New Survivor. I'm not gonna comment on New Survivor. Because I, I have a lot of crushes on that show. <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> I said the word crushes. Oh, Justine. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So, in the end, in the end, where does that leave us with this world of fall TV? Do do we still have those traditional models of uh, of fall TV? Of uh, the winter break that usually happens. Um, you know what? I think those are still there. The same way I think that the traditional model of television of one episode a week. Or yeah, one episode a week is better than you know binge watching everything. That, that feeling is still there. Fall TV will never leave because we will still have these the big, grander broadcast and cable shows that... that True, truthfully, you know, as good as as big as Stranger Things is, that still does not hit the same dopamine receptors as The Amazing Race or as Survivor. Now, streaming is its own juggernaut, and I mean, in bottom line, is it's still the same as broadcast and uh, uh, cable. But. If you, especially if you grew up with TV, I think that still elicits a feeling of, oh, I can't wait for SNL to start. Oh, I can't wait for The Simpsons to be back. Oh, did you see the new Family Guy? Also, if you're an adult and you're going, did you see the new Family Guy? <laughs> like American Dad is still on. American Dad is going to be at like 19 or 20 seasons. That's crazy. The only show that's still on TBS. So fingers crossed. If anything, they should move that over to Adult Swim. And if they do, I believe it'll be canceled. But I I love American Dad. Please keep it on. Please keep it on. Oh, please keep it on. It's so good. You know, I work there. I'll I'll tell them. <laughs> but fall TV is still there. Winter Hyatt is still there. Summer stuff is still there. Uh, and I mean, it's just like it's like a blockbusters. Like you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna choose Top Gun. Top Gun can only do the numbers it did at the box office. If it was available at home, I don't think as many people would have seen it. It could, and, and then also having Tom Tom Cruise leverage, you know, keeping it out of homes for as long as possible. Uh, true, like it is not hit DVD until like November or something, uh, which sucks. But I mean, now it should be on DVD. Like true, like it's been out. It it was in theaters in May. It should be on DVD now. I should be able to go out, get the 4K Blu-ray, and and I and I should be able to see it three more times in my home. Every year, there's a movie like that: La La Land, and the Heights, Top Gun. Two of those movies are basically the same. 
I just want to watch Maverick again. And I'm not stupid. I'm not. I'm not like I'm gonna join the Navy after the fact. No, I'm just enjoying it because it's a movie. But that, but that movie did something that Gray Man can't. Gray Man can be popular on Netflix. It can be popular for a week, maybe even two. But nothing, nothing holds true like a blockbuster in the theater, or even a really good indie movie like um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Or even uh, an indie or indie movie, Smile. That movie is going to be talked about or has been talked about for the past, you know, two weeks. It's going to be talked about. It's coming out today. It's going to be talked about for the next two weeks versus Gray Man comes out. Boom. Everybody watches it one week. Maybe the residual people watch the next week. It took me two months to watch that movie. And even then, it took me two days to get through it. Mostly because I fell asleep the first time. Uh, not because it was boring, but because I'm tired all the time. That's where that lands. Streaming streaming TV. Uh, fall TV might be dead, but... The, the, the event of Fall TV might be dead, but the feeling is still there. That's all I'm saying. Listen, if you like what you heard here, head on over to the website, cpluscomedy.com. Where you can see interviews with your favorite comedians and whatnot. If you want to see a video version of this show, youtube.com slash cpluscomedy. See me um, sitting here in all my glory. In a shirt that I was supposed to interview another comedian in. <laughs> but it got it was pushed back <laughs> to next week. <laughs> I'm kind of getting... I've said this before, and I'm kind of getting my. Uh, I, I I wanted when I started the website. Uh, I and then I was offered a couple of interviews with comedians. I was not good for I don't know how long for for I mean for 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 a few of them for like for like a a, a good handful of them a good chunk, and then there was one, who may or may not be the person I'm talking to next week. There was one where I I went okay, this is how I got to do it. This is how this is how it's supposed to be, for me at least. And, and then, uh, and then I always thought, you know, as the years went on, I thought, man, if I could just get a, a redo on those people <laughs> and here I am, I'm getting a redo on some people and some people I'm even being able to talk to for the first time versus, and it was an email the first time I'm talking to them over the phone or over video for the first time. I only do video now. I don't do over the phone. No, no more over the phone. We're in, we're in a world where it's video, video or bust. Also because I'm big enough to ask for video. <laughs> I'm, ne- I'm never going back to audio only. Uh, although uh, there was one, there's one interview that I did uh, that, is, that is not released. That will not be released. There's only, it's only happened twice. I know I'm supposed to end the show. There's only, it's only happened twice where there's an interview where it just wasn't good. And I've just, I, I've held on to the raw, raw footage and it's, or the raw audio and it's just not good. Anyway, but now I'm getting a chance to uh, re-talk to some people. I'm excited because I like this comedian that I'm supposed to talk to. I was supposed to talk to today, but next week we're going to do this thing. So be on the lookout for that uh, the next episode, most likely. Or they might, I mean, they're big enough to have their own breakout episode, so that'll probably be it. Any hoosers, uh, youtube.com slash equals comedy. See a video version of the show. News time is also there. It's a it's like the Daily Show, except worse. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of the Daily Show, Trevor Noah's leaving. So soon. Anyway, I'm going to end this show for this episode. 
See me next week. That is uh, uh, the corrections on uh, YouTube. Seth Myers. Yeah. Uh, I Y K Y K. If you know, you know. Yeah. I Y K Y K. I'm cool. I'm hip. Yeet. Twitter, Instagram, Mass Equals Comedy. Me on Twitter and Instagram at Chad Black White. Like us on Facebook. Rate, review, subscribe to the show. Wherever you get your podcasts, especially on Apple Podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe over there. I, who, who gives? I don't care. I don't care. Whatever. Who gives a crap? Um, okay. That's it. That's, that's the end of the episode. Tell your friends. I love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>